Carl, long time no see. How's it going, my friend? It is going really well. It has been a while since we've uh, knocked out a podcast. Yeah, but it feels good. We're back. We're back, baby. <laughs> yes, it's a Christmas miracle. <laughs> yeah, yes, exactly. Uh, that's that's what we asked for for Christmas, and we get whatever we want. So here we are. Uh, so what do we have for the comment of the week? Uh, we had Dwight email us, and he said, Greetings, Jason and Carl. Missing you guys publish episodes as frequently as done before. I have an idea for a show or a mini-segment. The company that I am currently working for has software development and test group that wants to stick to an older version of Studio. Example, 2015. And doesn't want to upgrade to the latest version. I am working on desktop support side and see this as a problem because eventually the older version will not be able to be reinstalled on a newer version of Windows at some point. The company has not reached to the point of desktop software management where one version of Visual Studio is packaged for install and that version you are forced to use. Maybe the question for exploring, uh, is it worth the headache to keep your tools and tools chain updated before you are forced to? If it is worth keeping all at the latest version, how often should you plan to to avoid accumulating very costly technical debt? I'm thinking of a very stable, mature tooling uh, tool chain like around C++, .NET, and Java that has uh, some between major changes. Has this thinking changed over the past 10 years? So do you want to go first or should I go first? I'll, I'll let you go first, and then okay. uh, we'll see I've, what I, I have. With. I have lots of thoughts. So the first thing is uh, this statement around uh, not being able to reinstall in a newer version of Windows. I think that fear is probably unfounded. <laughs> Microsoft has a tend to has a tendency to support things forever. Um, I'm pretty sure you could still install VB6 on Windows 11, for example. Um, and I do, in fact, know that people are shipping code from VB6. Uh, on the latest versions of Windows, and they they expect that to continue to run, which poses some interesting challenges, but uh, these things still work, uh, surprisingly. So I don't think you have, uh, you can't really use that necessarily as an excuse, um, which is a little unfortunate, but it is what it is. Um, but the rest of these questions are, are really good about like when to upgrade, when is the best time. So I think the answer is really complicated. It obviously depends on your on your business. So, you know, take everything that we say with a with a grain of salt. But for me, you know, I think I think the case that you need to make is probably to the to the business group. It's basically to your management chain, right? So, if you go to them and say, "Listen, we need to upgrade and there's nothing in it for you." Um they're not going to understand that. Like it just, they're just going to be like, well, you're just going to waste time and potentially introduce some bugs or some other issues. And it's just going to make things worse. So that that's the world as they see it. And that's, I think that's why companies really get stuck in, in this uh, a bit in a corner. So the business, so what the, the approach that I would take is trying to make the business case, right? So we want to increase developer productivity. Um, that would be the case that, that I would be making. So it's like, yes, we are going to make an investment, but we are going to have an ROI on that investment. Uh, when we do this, we're going to be able to move faster. We're going to be able to iterate faster and we're basically going to be able to, you know, pay off, uh, you know, the time that we spent on it relatively quickly. And obviously that depends on what your code base looks like. It should be, relatively low this day and age being able to to do that uh so you should be able to do that i i would even consider like a skunk works like evening or weekend project just to try it and see like it might be a lot easier than you think um especially in like the visual studio.net world whenever you're talking about dependencies and something like node.js or in your NuGet packages that's when things get crazy so 
you sort of want to assess like what is the cost and then when, you know, how quickly would you be able to uh, repay that? The other case that I would bring to management would be around retention. Uh, especially now that, you know, we're, we're hearing about like the, the great resignation, the great reset, uh, developers have options where they can work. Um, everybody's able to get another job basically in five minutes. Uh, that's just the situation right now. So, uh, what I would bring to them is like, Hey, if you want to keep people, uh, one way to do it is to not force developers to work on an antiquated tool chain. <laughs> um, to me, that would be that would be a really big uh, a really big business case. I mean, I I literally worked at a company where before they had any technical people, they decided that they were going to use C sharp, and I was like, "How did you figure this out? Like, none of you know even what C sharp is. Like, how did you decide this?" And they said, "Oh, we looked at the talent pool available out there in the market. So we already know that business people are able to think in this way." So that's that's one of the cases I'd bring to them. Like, hey, we can get better uh, talent. It increases our talent pool. It's going to make people want to work here without having to spend a fortune. Uh, the you know we all know that you know like COBOL is still in existence, and those developers can make a lot of money because uh, nobody wants to do it. So you basically have to pay people to want to do it. Um, so that's one thing I would think of. Uh, the other thing I would think about is you know just to reduce risk a little bit perhaps consider staying off of the bleeding edge. Um, just because you're upgrading uh, from an old version doesn't mean that you have to use something that just came out yesterday. Uh, so Visual Studio 2022, for example, you know, just came out recently. I would say we're, we're sort of past that point where it's been in, it's been in production for a while. So I, I think it's relatively safe. Um, but it's just one of those things where in each tool or piece of software that you're using, what would it look like if you just use the thing that you knew had really good support, you knew that it had a huge user base and maybe had that point release uh, to fix some of the some of the the crusty edges so that it was just a little bit easier on you. That's just something I would consider. I wouldn't necessarily go down that path, but that's a tool uh, that you could have in your in your toolbox as well. So those were those were were my my thoughts. Those are just things to consider. So I don't I don't think there's an easy answer. I think staying on an old version, yeah, it's it's going to cause you it's it's a bomb waiting to happen. Go ahead, Carl. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when with with your last statement, um, you know, if you are kind of deadlocked, you know, your code is stuck to a technology that's only supported by a certain version of Visual Studio. Um, well, first and foremost, you can side-by-side install. So if it is like, uh, you know, especially with like UWP and phone support, uh, you are stuck on, you know, certain versions of Visual Studio and the newer versions just don't have it. And there's a bunch of other uh, ones that are like that as well. I know certain packaging technologies are, are like that. Um, Whereas other versions of Visual Studio are just, uh, you know, it, it turns things that are standard. Like at one time, Link to SQL was a standard part. Now it's an optional feature. Um, I think the other thing that, you know, we don't have as much information here. Uh, it, this could also be an extension support. So are you using an extension that's helping you you're in development and that's not being updated? Um, all of these come with you know, their own pros and cons and we don't have enough information. I don't want to speculate too far, but I, I think like you said, Jason, like the, the, the longer that you can't upgrade is, is a more of a concern. And, you know, if, if there's a technical reason, um, that you can't, you know, I would try to remove that technical excuse why you can't. Now, if it's just a preference, you know, you know, you don't like the new one. Uh, preferences I find are pretty, you know, 
uh, variable. You know, you might be really against it initially, and as you get uh, used to it, um, that's uh, something that you overcome. Mm-hmm. You know, another thing that I've really changed in my um, you know, development uh, habits is when I first uh, was a junior developer, I would customize my development environment all sorts of ways i would install all sorts of extensions you know customize how everything was and it, it was to the point like if i had a coworker come jump at my computer like they actually couldn't program because they didn't know any of the hotkeys they didn't know how i rewired things and i've really become a proponent of let's just kind of use things as stock as possible obviously there's times to bring extensions and there's times to do those things that make your life better but you know, really be thoughtful and purposeful about what are what are the things that you are, um, you know, adding on top of like a vanilla install of things because those are things you have to maintain uh, when you upgrade and that feature is turned off or um, you know you get a new machine. You know, it's extra time to get back to to normal. So you know, once again, this isn't a you know, hey, we have the answers, but it really depends upon. Uh, the code that you're working on, really all of its dependencies and, and and just so many things that, you know, it's hard to enumerate them all. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So Dwight, hopefully that was helpful to you. <laughs> and if not, you can have your money back. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. If you want to get mentioned on the show, like Dwight, send us an email to feedback at msdevshow.com. We still read it. Or at least I do. <laughs> Comment on our website or on Twitter. We especially love those five-star iTunes reviews. I read them. And actually like emails like Dwight's are, are yeah. really what keeps us going too, because it's yeah. like, man, it's, it's not that this, this, this faceless audience is going to be like disappointed in us. It's we're going to disappoint Dwight if we don't put out another episode. <laughs> yeah. So, so this episode is dedicated to Dwight for sure. Absolutely. Cool. Cool. Okay. So um, let's jump into the main topic, which is really around uh, what we call just optimizing your life. Uh, and I would say it's mostly work life, but I would just say like your life in general. Um, and I've actually had a, a whole host of topics that I've been, you know, sort of dealing with at, at, at work, you know, trying to help people. Um, I see a lot of stuff on Twitter about like everybody is burnt out, like burnout is a real issue. Um, there's a lot of mental health issues with COVID and, um, people are just stressed. Like everybody is at like a whole all time high people's you know, um, appetite for, uh, you know, people being mean to them is at an all time low. Like we're just, everybody is a little bit on a short fuse. Like things are just crazy right now. And as we go into this, uh, this holiday season, and as we have the new year around, uh, you know, coming up here, I think it's a really a good time to just like stop for a second and think about all these things. And, and like, how can we optimize this now? Now is a good time to try to try to better ourselves. So I'll just sort of put that framing around it. Um, so Carl, you want me to jump into the first thing, like kind of my yeah. first tip here. So the first, the, the first one is actually, it's actually very tactical. This is something you can start using like almost immediately. And we'll have a couple things in the show notes. I actually have a, a link to a story here about the curse of off hours email. And basically like it's destroying people mentally. Um, what's happening is 
you know, everybody has different schedules and I've, I've made the case before where work-life balance doesn't mean that like I work eight to five and then at five I'm done. Like sometimes in the afternoon I will be drained and I will just be like, you know what? I can't take this anymore. I'm done. I might stop working at three. And then there might be, I might get a burst of energy at 8 PM and not know what else to do. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to work on that thing. Right. So like for me, work-life balance is working whenever I want. So I might send an 8 p.m. email. And the problem with that is that the person that I send it to, especially if they work for me, is that now it's, you know, like this is an urgent thing that they need to do or whatever, even if I didn't mean it that way. Like really, I could have sent it at 4 p.m. if I had worked then. But just because I took advantage of shifting my hours, now I've made it somebody else's emergency, um, even if I didn't mean it that way. So that's kind of one of the things that the, the article is talking about. So that's a problem. Like, I don't mean it that way. So it it is a problem. Um, In iOS 15, and I'm going to talk about the iPhone and I know Android can do similar things, but I just know the iPhone uh, better. Um, They introduced this idea of focus modes. And in previous versions of iOS, you could set do not disturb for at night, which is a great feature, by the way. Like you don't want to be getting dings at 1am from some random person or some emails. Um, but focus modes were added in iOS 15 and I was just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. More of the same. Like, I don't, I don't need to deal with this like complicated thing or whatever. And then the one day I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a look at that because I'm tired of getting, you know, some random, uh, some random notification from something that is, you know, maybe it's a forum post, you know, where it's like, I'm getting like a notification. It might be about like super duty trucks or something. <laughs> and and that's great. Like, I love it. I want, I want that notification. I want to know what's going on, but I don't want it during the day when I'm trying to, when I'm trying to focus. And conversely, if I'm at home in the evening and I'm watching a movie with my wife, for example, or I'm spending time with the kids, I don't want to see that work email come through. I just don't want to see it. Like I, I don't mind if I open up my phone and I open up my email client if I see those, but I don't want to get that. So that's what focus modes do for you. So I have them configured so that from, I think the hours I have it set up, it's like eight to four are kind of my core like work hours where I'm pretty much guaranteed to be working. I have that set up for work. And I can get uh, calls and text messages from my family, my direct family members, um, so that if there's like something going on at school or at work or whatever, like I still get those notifications. I also get my email notifications and Teams notifications, but everything else is ignored. Everything else can wait. Slack notifications, Discord, all that kind of stuff. I do not get those during the day. I have to go actively seek those things out. And then in the evening, it opens up quite a bit more. And then on the weekends, um, uh, it's, it's, it's fairly open as well. Uh, but when I'm sleeping, like during, you know, sort of sleeping hours, and I really have a wide window for that, I get nothing, you know, I just don't want to get, uh, any notifications at that time. So I, I don't, I don't think you've been using this feature, Carl, but you've had some, some other tips. Yeah. So, so first of all, I actually did recall the reason why I don't like the focus modes or at least how the focus modes were uh, a while ago. Mm -hmm. So part of it is, you know, it's nice to, you know, focus modes are great when you can predictably say, Hey, during, during my work time, like, Hey, I want, you know, school to break through. I want my wife to break through, you know, I want these, you know, these various things to break through. And then, you know, in my off hours, like, why would school ever call me? Why would, you know, these other work people ever call me except when there's emergencies that happen. So, uh, 
what happened last April was is both myself, and my wife had like sleep time on the sleep focus uh, one, which just like bounces nearly every call. Um, the problem was, is it was post-prom and one of my children had an emergency during this and it was like 1230 at night and the school called. And of course, focus mode's like, nope, you're not Carl's spouse. Mm-hmm. Bounce that call. The sheriff called. Nope. And then uh, the sheriff's cell, personal cell phone tried calling. And like it bounced on both mine and my wife's call. Now, it ended up that the sheriff like knocked on our door and was able to get our attention. But that is a horrible thing. And mm-hmm. it wasted precious time in an emergency. Right. So, so. This is where understanding what each of them do. Um, you know, for me, I've got a lot of kids. I can't anticipate all these things. So the focus modes are, are a little bit too blunt of an uh, instrument. Mm-hmm. So what what I've uh, erred on doing instead of using the focus modes is understanding how to optimize the notifications themselves. So in iOS, and I'm assuming Android has things very equivalent, uh, you can set, hey, this can only do a banner. So it'll show up in the list if I do things, but it won't make a noise. Uh, You can say, hey, it can make a noise. And you can also block or let it come to your watch. So, you know, what I've really done is for anything, you know, most things can, you know, put a notification on the list. But I get really picky on which things make a noise. So work emails, um, anything for my wife, you know, those can all make a noise. but there's certain, uh, but there's things like I just don't want ever want coming to my watch. I use Slack and Discord more for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. Those don't even come to my watch right. at all. Right. And and I, I don't ever want those to. Mm-hmm. So it's it's really just understanding like, hey, all of these different things you have very very granular control over. So look, you know, instead of using those tools that kind of automate some of that, I've just been like, hey, the things that I know I want to turn off are great, but like I don't know where that emergency phone could come from. So I let most of those through at mm-hmm. the same time. I'm really quick at blocking like spam callers. Right. Plus I, I have uh, my carriers uh, spam protection, protecting things. So anything that they think is spam um, gets blocked. And I've only had that be errant once. And um, that wasn't a big deal. So, it, you know, like focus mode is great. You know, if you find that you don't like it, just remember that there's other things, uh, ways to go about the, mm-hmm. you know, the same issue. And it really is about like, how, do, how do I get interrupted by the things that are worth getting interrupted? And how do I kind of delay and create that asynchronous response for everything else? Exactly. So I think, you know, the, the key there was having that good notification hygiene. Uh, I will say that in the, there's a couple of things about the uh, focus modes that are, that are kind of handy. So one is that you can allow, you can allow calls from anybody. So you can, mm-hmm. you can do that. The other thing is if you are ever, like if I was trying to call you in the middle of the night, I would call you twice. Uh, because mm-hmm. by default, uh, anybody who calls twice in a row uh, does break through, by the way. So if the yeah. the sheriff actually should have known <laughs> that, um, that would have been a good trick to uh, to break through there. Um, and then the other thing is, whenever you pull down the control center, I think they call it, uh, there you can quickly switch focus modes. So like here around the holiday season, uh, yeah, at 8 a.m. it's switching to work. And I'm just switching it back <laughs> so that it's not <laughs> doing that. So it is pretty flexible. 
Cool, cool, cool. Okay, so that was focus modes. Uh, so the next thing is around uh, burnout and mental health. And and I actually don't have a lot to talk about here. Um, it's just something where I think people need to be aware of it. It's something like 83% of people are experiencing burnout right now. So it's something definitely to be uh, aware of. Um, and this is where you should consciously be thinking about your work-life balance. What are your boundaries? How do you take control? And I know we gave some tips for that. Uh, the other tips here are eating well. So focusing on, on eating, uh, healthy foods, getting fruits and vegetables, things like that. Um, and I, I won't, I won't act like a parent to anybody here. Um, and then the other thing is, is around exercising and you know, it's, it's interesting. I don't, I don't, exercise a lot. I, I go on a lot of walks. I do hiking, but I don't do like, you know, what you would consider like exercising in a, in a gym. And, you know, there's a lot of time where I'm listening to a recording or I'm, I'm just listening on a call. And I actually found it useful to be like doing something else. You know, maybe I'm like, you know, tidying up my desk or whatever. And I was like, man, is there, are there some kind of workouts I could just do in my office without any kind of expensive equipment? Like how can I start really small? And I got onto this idea or of the, this concept of body weight fitness, which is basically just using, you know, it's, it's like pushups and, and doing like lunges and like these types of things where you just, you don't need any equipment. And this got me onto, um, this minimum, uh, routine, uh, and we'll have a link to this in the show notes, but basically, uh, there are different workouts. Like there's a Reddit sub, there's a subreddit with some of these workouts. They recommend an hour three times a week. And I was like, you know, that's not a good place to start. Like, I think for something to be sustainable for me, I need to start small. Uh, so they had a minimum routine. They're like, fine. If you don't have time for that, you can just do these simple exercises. And like that I can do. It takes like 15 minutes. And if I do multiple reps throughout the day, like that's fine. That's all, you know, that's, that's, I'm still winning. Uh, so we'll put a link to that in the show notes, but that is, um, uh, that is something cool that you can do. And then the final thing under burnout is just unplugging. And I would say unplugging for a, uh, uh, you know, for a, a, a respectable amount of time, like a week or two, uh, being able to do that a couple times per year. Uh, so going on like a week long vacation, I really recommend camping. I'm sure you do too. Uh, but doing whatever you can then, uh, uh, on that trip to unplug, I know you and I, we were on a camping trip and I think it was the kids. They kept saying I'm bored and I'm like me too. And I'm Good. so, I'm so happy to be bored. Like, you know, we're, our, our lives are so busy and crazy and hectic that, that often we want to be bored. Uh, so Actually, that's always my goal. The thing that I thought was the most hilarious through that trip is the wives kept saying like, oh, time's going so slow. Right, right. And we're like, yes, yes I yes. want this vacation to take forever. Yeah, yeah. I don't want, I don't want my, it, that's the problem I have, right? Like if I go to Disney, the week long trip feels like one day, you know, if, mm-hmm. if I'm doing it right. Uh, a vacation that I'm actually enjoying feels like it goes so quick. And I'm, it's, it's unfortunately, I don't know if you have the same problem. Every Sunday sucks because I'm just like, well, tomorrow's Monday. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Friday evenings because the next day is not Monday. And I love Saturdays because the next day is not Monday. And then Sundays are bad. And I have the same symptoms whenever whenever I'm on vacation. I'm like, seven days of vacation left. And then the next day I'm like, oh man, only six days left. And then it's like five, four, three, two. And then I'm just like, no, I'm enjoying this so much. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So love it. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. So the things that I'd like to bring up, kind of for this section. So first and foremost, mm-hmm. if, if you're in the U.S. 
uh, ch- and in this field, chances are that your employer has some sort of uh, mental health line that you can call. Um, I think at Microsoft, we call it Be Well. And, you know, it's a number that you can call. Um, they kind of triage, help you find somebody who, who you can talk to that's licensed. Uh, I'm, I, I'd imagine that something like this exists in other countries as well. Um, it's something that I've taken advantage of in the past. So if you are really hitting that, that burnout mode, um, you know, don't feel bad about, you know, using those resources that you have at, um, for you. Uh, some of the plans are a little bit more unlimited. Some of them you're limited to a certain amount of sessions, but you know, either way, you know, take whatever benefits that you have at your disposal and, um, just, you know, utilize them to their fullest. Mm-hmm. Um, a- another thing that I kind of learned kind of going throughout that process is, um, you know, there's a lot of things that you do and, and, and people are kind of creatures of habit. They like ritual in their lives. Um, and I, I think that the fancy word is kind of, uh, being intentional, but you know, some of the things that I do is, you know, I, I'm a tea drinker. I drink loose leaf tea, you know, you know, there'd be times in the past where like, I'd, I would like be in the middle of a meeting. I'd be really busy trying to pay attention. I'd, you know, like for, you know, quick make tea while I'm doing all this and trying to do, you know, several other things at the same time. And, you know, I I found that, Hey, if I just take that five or 10 minutes to just set aside and go through the ritual of making tea, um, that really kind of helps make it feel like a break to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and especially like if you understand like, uh, kind of the, like Asian customs around tea, they're really specific. And I used to kind of scoff at that because I'm like, well, I can make tea this way and it tastes just as good. But, you know, one of the things I learned, it's it's not about the, you know, the outcome, you know, is the is the tea product good? It's more about the experience of the tea and getting your mind in the right spot and l- actually letting that become a break. Let that mm-hmm. actually refresh you in a different way other than, you know, the caffeine and the, and the water that you get with it. Um, the other thing that I do, um, this is an extension of something that you taught me a while ago, Jason. So, you know, um, there was a time where I visited your office when you were living in Seattle and, uh, you had talked about how lots of indirect light really helped. And I've kind of done that. If you look at my mm-hmm. office, my wife is, thinks it's crazy. I have so many lamps and stuff. <laughs> but the other thing that I do is I also have a candle going in front of me and just kind of like that natural, you know, like light flickering and stuff like that, as, as well as the smell that, that, you know, kind of grounds you into reality when we're kind of staring at screens and imaginary things all day. No, so, such, such good tips. Yeah. <laughs> so like, these are, these are little things, but like, you know, we have to remember we are, you know, people are, our social creatures at the end of the day. If, if we just kind of huddle into our so- solitary offices or cubes or whatever, you know, that's, that's not natural, you know, bring, bring these things that comfort you and you might not be into tea and candles. Great. You know, find the things that you are into and, and fully enjoy them when you are doing them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. That's why I feel like I'd be so good at retirement because <laughs> it's just like, you know, being able to, to just slow down and enjoy those kinds of things. I feel like I'd be really good at that, but no, those were, those were all really good tips. And you know, it's funny, there's so many things that you hear from like your parents or from like TV or whatever, where um, they they tell you things and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like I know better. Like the, the 
you know, what you're talking about, you know, making tea, you know, this Asian culture, you're just like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. I know this better way. And then like, as you get older, you're just like, ah, you know what? Like, had I, had I just assumed that, 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 that it was correct and, and just thought to myself for a moment, like, you know, maybe that's correct and maybe I'm missing something. Yeah. It would have been, you know, I would have enjoyed something a lot more. So it's really interesting. Cool. Should we talk about calendars? Absolutely. So we're going to get very specific again. So a um, couple of, you know, pretty quick tips here. So one of them is on uh, defragging your calendar. And I've heard this. I know Hanselman had, uh, he had a blog post on this. Somebody on my team, uh, Labrina, she was, she was like, you know, trying to move a whole bunch of meetings around so she could defrag her calendar. And um, so I've done this recently. Uh, and, and it actually has been really wonderful. So I, I end up meeting with, with people on my team, uh, once a week and I had them spread throughout the week. I basically had like a, a shotgun, uh, smattering of meetings all over my calendar. And what I really wanted to do was have some gaps where I didn't have meetings, um, you know, in the middle of the day or around at different times. And, uh, so I could go for a walk or I could have some focus time or just sit and have some time to myself, maybe even meditate, whatever it might be. So, uh, for my entire team, I scheduled all of those meetings on the same day. So I actually have rapid fire and it's actually really nice because they always want to know like what is top of mind for me. I always want to pass on like certain messages and things like that. Well, now I do it once, you know, so it's basically, even though I'm meeting with different people, I have similar messaging. So I can come up with that one time in the day and then go through that. And by bunching those things together and not having big gaps, um, that actually frees up some gaps uh, at, at other times on the calendar. Now I have to protect those other gaps now with my life, <laughs> which is a different problem. Uh, but this this can be really useful. And then we also have this concept of no meeting Fridays. Um, so again, that time is sacred. It's for uh, catching up on emails. Um, and basically working on documents or whatever it might be. Um, so we know we're not having uh, meetings that day. Um, and I did mention like kind of in passing that blocking focus time. Um, that is one of those examples of things where, you know, I think it was Microsoft was always sending us emails like, Hey, it's important to have, you know, this focus time throughout the day. I'm like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Like I'm, I'm not human. I'm an Android. Like I can, <laughs> I can do all this task switching man, it started killing me. I mean, it was just really killing me just like switching gears over and over again. And I'm telling you, one of the best things I ever did was when I see a, you know, I try to make like two or three hour blocks in my calendar. Sometimes I'll have two, two hour blocks in the day. I block those off. And sometimes I force myself to just like stop and, and like come up with like a plan of, of what I want to do. Um, but man, that is, I mean, that is just like life-changing, actually setting aside that time to make sure that I'm prioritizing the right things. Cause you know, we get in, we get in these modes where it's just like, I'm, you know, I have so many emails, I'm going to answer emails and like the time is gone. It's like, wait a second. I didn't do anything. All I did was answer emails. So it helps me uh, flip that uh, on its head. Now I know you had some calendar tips as well. What do you got? Yeah. So first and foremost, this is something I've been doing for ages and didn't realize. Mm -hmm. So I've been wearing some sort of watch or fitness fitness device for ages, and most of them have the ability to show you what's on your calendar. Ever since I've started wearing a smartwatch, I've been very, very quick to just reject things that I don't want on my watch. Um, you know, because my watch always shows me what is the next thing that's there. Um, I, I quickly found out, I you know, 
at Microsoft, it's kind of a custom. Like if you have off, like you put a calendar block on like your entire team. Like I don't want that. So, you know, I, I've communicated to my team, like when I reject your, your vacation, obviously that doesn't mean I'm rejecting your vacation, but like, <laughs> it, it's because I don't want it because you know, when that happens, it's a 24 hour block right. on my, on my, on my wrist. Like I really, you know, it doesn't let me see what's next if it thinks that, oh, Todd's vacation is the most important thing. Um, so I've really been uh, u- utilizing that. Like, do when I look at my watch, do I want to see it? Mm-hmm. If I don't want to see it, it's not on my calendar. That's an awesome tip. I wonder if... Uh I wonder if I could create a second calendar then to, to put some of the, cause, cause I will block off times. Like I, when I, the, the day I was talking about where I have the one-on-one meetings, mm-hmm. I actually have like 15 or 30 minute gaps depending between each of those. But what I do is I have a secondary appointment next to all of them that just says block for one-on-ones because like I need time to like use the bathroom and like yep. type up notes and things like that. Yeah. The next tip that I have is. Uh, something I've seen other people do, and you know, it took me a while to appreciate it, um, and that's color coding. Mm-hmm. So um, I use Outlook, and that lets you set like it by default has some like you know primary and secondary colors, um, and I I've customized what the tags are, so I can on anything. So if I just accept a new calendar invite, it shows as a default color, and it, I pretty much know that I have to cat- categorize everything. Um, there's little shortcuts that Outlook has for you to like auto color. So you can just like click and use a keyboard shortcut. So that makes things a lot quicker as well. But I've actually have my labels set up to family. So I think like you, I have all of my personal and yep. work stuff just jammed in one calendar. Yep. It just makes it easier than mm-hmm. managing Agree. multiple calendars. Agree. So I have family and then I have Microsoft and that's very important. I, I'm not just calling it work because like these are Microsoft meetings. So if you work at a specific company, like I would call it actually that company because I do a lot of work with partners. So I have one called partner meetings and then I have work tasks. And these are like the periodic things that like um, do your expenses, um, you know, like, you know, update your timesheet or whatever those, those things are that are like just those periodic like little tasks. You can like just glance at your calendar, like, Hey, you know, this is my reminder to do that. And then I have two other ones. One is other, which is just kind of like a generic and one is special. And I always have the MS dev show block as categorized as something special. Um, you, you know, sometimes there's things you just want to call out slightly different. What's really nice is like, when you're in like the week view or month view, like you can really see how the days and weeks like are trending. Like, Oh, these are internal meetings. These are external meetings you know, I've got more special projects going on. Like it just kind of at a glance gives you extra information. Um, that is sometimes, or lets you see a pattern that you might not otherwise see. So I find it really helpful to, uh, do that color coding on my calendar. Totally agree. Very cool. Okay. So next topic is bookmarks and bookmarks have never worked for me. I have, yeah, just to be clear, this is for browsers. Yes. Browser bookmarks, not calendar bookmarks. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, it's, it's interesting. We, We always have so much information out there. Like how do you go and find it? And if other people are like me, they bookmark things and then they, they never see them again. Right. Like I've had like a folder called like interesting 
in it, or like read later or whatever it might be. And I just never went to it. Like bookmarks were completely useless to me forever. Uh, search engine was, was always ideal, but a search engine doesn't work for, uh, you know, like SharePoint documents or, you know, just internal links, things like that. Like it was just totally failing me. And I actually was, uh, thinking about building a system to solve this problem and people gave me different suggestions and then somebody said something about using the favorite system like in Edge or in Chrome. And I was like, what? No, this is dumb. Um, but then I started looking at it. And I'm like, okay, are there some concessions that I can give to actually make this work? And I, I'm going to give you such a simple tip, but it's it, to me, it's it's been like life-changing. So what I end up doing is... Uh, there's a couple things. So first of all, my homepage on my browser for at least my work instance on my browser is actually my favorites page. So it's edge colon slash slash favorites. That is my homepage <laughs> uh, is as nerdy and as weird as that sounds. What I do whenever there is anything that I ever want to find again, which is almost every page that I ever go to, I hit bookmark. But what I do is I put in there every potential word I could think of. Uh, that I would ever use to describe this. So like we have this concept of OKRs. So we have like the strategy document. So I would call it strategy, OKRs, KPIs. And I'm intentionally using the plural form of those because if you search for the singular form, you're going to find them. But I basically do keyword stuffing. Every possible thing I could ever think of, um, I will put in that bookmark name. Now, if you go into a folder and you try to find a bookmark, it looks horrible because it's it's really crazy names. But whenever you search for a favorite, either by using the favorite button in the browser or by that homepage that I was talking about, as you type, it instantly searches all of your bookmarks and it will search the URLs and it will search all the words that you put in there. Then what I do is if I ever search for a bookmark and I can't find it, I keep looking and when I find it, all of the search words that I thought to use to find it, I add into that that particular favorite or bookmark. And the result is I'm known as the person who can find everything. <laughs> so I get requests all the time like, hey, you know, where's the information on this? And I'm boom, instantly I give them back a result um, because I basically have this database that I'm able to instantly search for, for all of these things. Uh, since I've started doing this, um, my bookmarks have actually worked for me. And that's pretty much the that's pretty much the whole tip. I don't know if you have any questions on that, Carl. No, I mean you you've mentioned this to me in the past. Yeah. Well, I haven't um, you know gone as far as you. Um, I, I like my own personal homepage. Um, just remembering that you can do that is huge because by default, like the browsers just take the like the page title and like sometimes like you know the authors of a site like get cutesy with it or they don't care about it and they mm -hmm. they just call it like like Reddit. And like, right. like, well, this is actually a specific page. I would like, you know, I would say, is, yeah, Reddit news, fun, you know, like I would think of everything. I, yeah. And you know, there's like so many bad titles out there that like, even if you don't go to the full keyword stuffing, like when you save it, like look at that thing that's in the name and think about changing it, make mm -hmm. it something that's at least going to like, tr you know, triggers something in your head when you want to find it again. Yep. So you can just put that in there. So like I have a bookmark here to a service mesh, pa mesh page and I have service mesh comparison K8s Kubernetes Docker. Like, you know, I, I just stuff everything like that. Um, I'm trying to see if I have some, uh, some other good examples here. 
all multi-tenant solutions on Azure. So like I, I have the full name there plus like Microsoft docs, multi-tenant architectures, like every word I could ever think of. And then what's cool too, is whenever you search, you might find not only the thing you're looking for, you'd be like, Oh, these other things are, are related. Uh, so you get sort of the, a little bit of a knowledge engine there too. Cool. Should we move on to our, our last, but biggest topic? Yeah. Okay. So I was a big user of OneNote and I actually like OneNote. I think OneNote is a fantastic pro- product and it's probably underutilized by a lot of people. Like it's a, the product that I wish I had in, in college. Right. Um, but I always found myself kind of like with bookmarks, I would always be putting information in there and I would never, I would never be able to retrieve it. I'm like, where was that page I had? I think this concept of mimicking a physical notebook is extremely flawed. Um, I have, I deal with so many different things that if I literally had a bookshelf behind me right now, full of notebooks, how could you possibly organize those in such a way that it's easy to enter information in those notebooks and it's easy to retrieve it? Like, and, and you're building this like airplane while it's flying. Like I, I just, it never, my notes were always just failing me. So, um, I had always been on the lookout. I had tried out notion. I had tried different things. And uh, I had seen people talking about, um, I actually can't think of the the name of it. There's this uh, other uh, system that I had looked at. It was just, it was just really convoluted. So anyway, I found this tool called Obsidian and um, I had looked at it like a year ago and it just didn't do what I wanted to do. And I've looked at it. I looked at it a couple months ago and I was like, wow, this is exactly what I've been looking for. So basically all of your notes are in Markdown. So you are actually not tied to any particular tool. In fact, uh, there's an add-in for Visual Studio Code called Foam, and it is also set up so that you can look at your Markdown notes. Um, now, I don't use Foam, uh, but I tried it out. Um, but Obsidian is basically where I live now. And the reason that this is uh, basically life-changing when it comes to, I guess, notes, which I think notes is not even a fair way to put it, Um it is a it is a basically a way of storing knowledge, and the idea is that you are using wiki style links between pages. So I can have a page called Carl, and if I'm on the Jason page or I'm on my podcast page, for example, I can do square bracket square bracket Carl and then close square bracket square bracket. And even if you the Carl page the Markdown file moves. It could be in any folder in whatever structure I want to store it in, or it could all be thrown into one giant folder. Um, That link will just always work because it's not like a a hyperlink. It's just saying, hey, I want to link over to the to the Carl page. And you can also do aliases so I could have your full name in there. And I I don't need I don't want to get into details because I don't think that's worthwhile right now. Uh, But basically what it does is it turns the concept of notes into like a knowledge graph or the way that I think about it, I actually have a folder in one uh, one drive called Second Brain. That's what my notes are called. It's called Second Brain. It is my personal uh, knowledge graph. So for every topic that comes up at work, I have a notes page on it. For every person that I interact with, I have a uh, I have a page on each of those those people. The idea being that the knowledge about those people, those topics, whatever it might be, are centered on those uh, those pages. Um, so, so how? Yeah, go ahead. I, I, 
I, I don't know if we want to get this far in at no, this sure point, but, but like, like what does that look like from the markdown perspective? So like you, like if you, if you like are generating a new topic or you want to link a new person or something like that, mm. you know, what, what, what does that markdown look like? And like how, how, you know, is this like a tightly coupled, you know, you know, like static object or is it really dynamic that it can just kind of stitch things together you know, loosely? Yeah, I, I would say, so first of all, I, I would say don't overthink it. And if you ever use obsidian, you'll realize that, that once you, once you work with it for like 15 minutes, you, you'll realize like it's, it's just drop dead simple. So if, if I was on a page called podcast.md and let's just say it's a blank file, it's literally mm-hmm. a text file on your computer called podcast.md. Okay. So I have that open in Obsidian and it, it has all my notes are on the left. It's going to be just like Visual Studio or whatever. In that text editor, I can do what I mentioned earlier. I can do square bracket, square bracket, Carl, square bracket, square bracket. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's now a link. It's a link to nowhere because Carl doesn't exist yet. If I literally hold down the control button and I click on it, um, if it doesn't exist, it creates it. In this case, it doesn't exist. So now I have carl.md. I now have two empty. Well, I, the first file isn't empty because it has the link to the second file. Um, I have now created a graph where there's a one directional link from podcast to Carl. Um, I can also on the Carl page, see what backlinks to it. Um, I also get a really awesome graph view and people love to share these graph views. It shows like all of the nodes. I literally have hundreds of these in this beautiful graph with like thousands of connections. Like that's, you know, it were, it looks just like your brain works with all of its connections. That's all, that's all you have to do. You can structure anything you want in there. You can put images in there. You can put in uh, text. It could just be plain text if you want, but you can use whatever markdown you want. You can put code snippets. So if you're working with a particular technology, if you're working with Docker, you can have a Docker page. And then in that Docker page, you can actually have code snippets in there. Uh, which I find incredibly useful. I actually used to have a folder that had scripts for installing various things and running certain Docker containers. I actually took all of that and added that in as snippets into Obsidian. So now that whole repository is all integrated. So I literally just have one second brain that contains all of my textual script image knowledge all in one folder that gets synchronized with, uh, with OneDrive will automatically send it to all my computers. So does that all make sense so far? Yeah. Okay. So what, one, one quick question. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, uh, it, so this obviously works great when you're on a desktop. Is there like a, a great way to like, is there like a mobile app for iOS and Android and mm-hmm. stuff like that, where you can kind of like you're on the fly and you just need to take that note, but you want it linked in with all the rest of your stuff. Sure. 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 So first of all, that the app, <laughs> this is totally free. So like, there's no reason for somebody to not use this. It's going to sound like an advertisement, but it's not. Uh, the, the app is just completely free. So you can use it on Windows. Uh, I use it on my Mac. It's identical on both platforms. Like it runs perfect, exactly the same on both platforms. They do have an iOS app. Um, and I believe they have an Android app as well. It is also identical in functionality. Like it's truly astounding that they were able to do that. And uh, the app rating is something like 4.9 which is really amazing. That is huge. For thousands of you. And here's the kicker. To you there's there's two ways that you can use it on mobile. So one is that you can store your uh your notes or whatever you you know the markdown files. You can store your markdown files in iCloud. 
So that's one way to do it. Now that sucks for, well, you can still do it on Windows, right? Because you can still download iCloud Drive and store your stuff in there. So it's not, it's a workable solution. Or you can pay for Obsidian Sync, which I think is like 10 bucks a month. Uh, I mean, which which adds up, right? Like I want, I want them to have some money. <laughs> um, if you want the sync and you're willing to pay 10 bucks a month, that's a really good way of doing it. And then they will just do the sync for you. Uh, but the app is... Like I said, I mean, it's, it's like fully functional. Like you could do everything on there. If you had a keyboard, uh, you could take all your notes on your phone or in an iPad or whatever. Like, it's really amazing that they were able to get essentially feature parity between all of them. So that was a really good question. I actually don't even use it by the way. I don't use the mobile app. Um, I tend to use like the notes app on my phone and then I will, I will, you know, integrate stuff in as I need on my desktop or whatever. Other questions? Yeah. yeah go ahead. No, I, I I like that you brought that up because I'm a huge notes app on my phone. Hmm. Uh, I have notes for all sorts of things. Right. Uh, yeah, I very famously have a saying at the at home: if you want me to remember more than two things, it needs to go in my phone. Mm-hmm. Well, and the tip there with the notes on your phone, by the way, is the shared notes. Like, I, yep. I finally set up like I have a shared note for like the grocery list, and like people be like, "You need, we need milk." I'm like, put it on the shared list, and then it pops into my phone. But anyway, that's yeah, a- that's how me and my wife exchange like gift ideas to each other. Like, I just created the the note and I shared it out to her, mm-hmm. and then like as I thought of things later, I didn't have to be like, "Oh, you know, give me that piece of paper that has my stuff on." Mm-hmm. It just automatically updated exactly. So that that's another great tip. Exactly. So I think the so the the I think everybody that's listening to this would probably understand the basic, like how things link together in obsidian. So why is it that that like totally solved all of my problems? Here's, here's how it solved all my problems. So I have, I mentioned that on each person that I work with, I have a notes page and then on each topic. So a topic might be like Docker, for example, um, in the Docker document, I have everything I know about it. Like as I learn things, it could be links. It can be just different knowledge that I have on that particular topic. Um, different projects, I'll have I'll have a page for them because it is a graph and no, you know, in, in OneNote you have this concept of like notebook section page. There's a hierarchy there. In this, everything's equal, and I can navigate back and forth instantly. So, um, I will do, there's a couple things that I will do. So when I, uh, when I think of something, let's say I want to tell, it's like, Oh, next time I see Carl, I want to tell him about this thing. Or I want to ask him about this thing on my Carl page. I have a section called next and you can do this however you want, but I just have one with a header called next. And I will just put in there like a list of things to talk to Carl about next time I see him. Um, and what I can do is I can say, ask Carl, uh, or ask him what we should do the next podcast on podcast will go in the square brackets. I mentioned when I'm talking to you, I can hit control and I can go to podcast Mm -hmm. and boom, I'm in the podcast. Now I have, so now that I've mentioned the podcast, we're in the podcast context and I have all the podcast information at my fingertips. Then when we're done talking about that, I can hit the back button and now I'm back on the Carl page. Now I, maybe I'll ask something about, uh, you know, mutual coworker, let's call him Steve. So it's ask Carl about Steve. So I control click on Steve and now I have the Steve page up and I can say, Hey Carl. Yeah. I talked to Steve last Tuesday and here's what he had to say about this thing. And then you're like, Oh, 
Oh, what about that thing? Oh, well, guess what? It's linked. Boom. I'm now I'm on that on that page. And I know it sounds sort of disruptive, but it actually is so low friction that I can navigate through 20 different pages in seconds. You know, like while like it, it works just like your brain. You know, when I see Carl, I think of podcasts, I think of camping, I think of trucks, whatever it might be. Like your brain work, that's how it works. And when you start talking about trucks, it's almost like I'm loading off my hard drive, like loading truck knowledge. Okay, now I'm ready to talk about trucks. <laughs> you know what I mean? And my notes now flow in exactly the same way. So some things that I do, every time I interact with a person and we have like a meeting, I will always keep notes on that. And anything, any topics they mention, I will put in the square brackets. I might not even have a page on it. And I still put it in square brackets because later, if I ever create that page, then I see where all the backlinks are, for example, and it shows up in my graph. So I will have uh, pages for each person. And then I will have uh, like my boss, I have a page for her. And I always put in there, like as the week goes along and there's things I want to bring up with her, just like anybody else, I build up that list. And what's nice is it's like, this is my list of things I want to talk to my boss about. And they're all linked. So it used to be that when I would bring something up, when I was talking to her, she'd ask me a question. I'm like, ah, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in the context of like the things I want to tell you about. I'm not, yep. I'm not ready to receive questions. Now I it's, it's just like a link to that topic. I go over there and I have everything at my fingertips. What the last meeting was, all the, all the, the context around that. Um, that has been totally life-changing. And then whenever, well, and, yeah, go ahead. and not to mention like everything that, was in the next session, next section Mm -hmm. is now a meeting section. Mm -hmm. So like, it it just like rotates into itself. Yep. So that's one of my tricks, by the way, is it says next right below that. When I'm talking to the person, I put the header for the current date. So next is up there. It is now empty. So it's just like a little text trick. And I put that, I put that header there and magically that, that became uh, our meeting. And it's, it's so good because usually your meetings you know, I will have meetings that are focused on the people, and then I have other meetings that are focused on a on a topic. You know, I mentioned we'll just make it about the podcast again. Like Carl goes, "Hey, I want to talk about the podcast." Well, I'm not going to be on the on, on the Carl page. Well, actually, my first stop will be the Carl page to say like talked about the podcast, and then I can click I can click on that and boom, I'm on the podcast page. Like I don't have to go search for the podcast page. I can literally just type in podcast, and it and it it's able to take me there. So then when I'm on that podcast page. Um, then I, then um, I do the same thing. I have a date and like, what did we talk about in terms of the the podcast? So for every topic that I ever deal with at work, I have a log, but then I also have the static set of knowledge about the things that I built up over time. And a lot of people will, that are, that are sort of living this obsidian lifestyle, they will actually dedicate some time at the end of a day or at the end of a week where they go and they sort of curate that, that knowledge. They'll say, you know, hey, I was putting all this information in kind of quick, like I'm just sort of, I'm going to review uh, the topics or the big projects that I had this week, that that type of thing. Um, so this has fixed everything for me. I also consolidate my tasks in there. So I have a backlog of tasks, which is on a backlog page, but then I have a daily view and I actually bring in the tasks that I want to get done that day. And if I don't do them, then I move them to the next day. But I actually, I literally have a list of bulleted, or not bulleted items, of checkbox items that I go and I, I check off as uh, as I do them. So I live in Obsidian now. It's my task manager, or it's for tasks, it's for scripts, it's for knowledge, it's for meetings, it's for people, it's for all of that kind of stuff. 
if if you've absorbed all of that, then I can move on to the the next thing that might kind of blow your mind. All right. Okay. Let's blow it. Okay. Here's here's where I'll start to blow your mind. So this is obviously for advanced users. I will preface it with that. Uh, but you can have there's a there's so this they they support extensions or add-ons for this thing, uh, which are amazing by the way. I have one for that's a calendar for example, and that takes me to my daily notes for for different days. Um, there's a whole bunch of really cool add-ins. Uh, there is an add-in called Data View. So if you search for Obsidian Data View, you can actually go and look at or we'll have a link in the show notes. You can actually write queries against your files, your notes, whatever. You can even put in arbitrary JavaScript if you turn on that functionality. So you can do some cool things. So uh, at a basic level, one thing you could do is you can say, I want to, I'm going to write a query in line that's, that, that is all of my unfinished tasks from everywhere. And I actually have one of these because I want to find like orphan tasks that I haven't bubbled up to my backlog. And it will, um, in the new version now, it will actually, like when you click off of the query editor, it will literally show you the results of that query in your files. So it's a list of files. It could be a table. It could be metadata. Um, I've actually done this where I actually have a view that shows my team and actually shows metadata about them, like career guides and things like that in a table form. I can actually see all of this, this metadata about them in a, in a table view. Um, so I've started using this more and more. Uh, now I actually have uh, a query that shows me what were the pages that I updated in the past seven days so that I can go. And I, again, I can sort of do that curation. Like, um, you know, if I'm going to have my meeting with my boss and I want to talk about what I did this week, I can see all the pages that I updated in the last seven days. So like, that's going to give me a hint. There might be something I forgot about that's going to be in that list. Or I might be like, oh, that Carl page, you know, I was going to go put these notes in there or, or whatever it might, it might be. I've even put, um, <laughs> this, this, this might sound kind of crazy, but like, if you ever go to the dentist, I was at the dentist one time and, uh, they're just like, how are your three kids doing? You know, like <laughs> what's Ryan up to? And I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? I'm like, this, there's no way this person remembers me from six months ago. And then I realized the one day that what they're doing is they're on their computer. They're typing this in. They're just like, how's it going? It's like, oh, I went to the zoo with my son. And they're like, went to zoo with son. <laughs> and, and I've had that horribly backfire because they're like, somebody's like, oh, I forgot what the topic was. But like, how was that thing that you did? I'm like, uh, I did that. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I did mention that to you. <laughs> As if their memory's better, but really it's just like in a computer, like it's sort of fabricated, but guess what? Like, uh, I have for, for, for a lot of people, like I have their address in there now, uh, because I need, you know, like sometimes I just like lose that information. Um, I will sometimes like even put like their spouse's name in there because it's like something like I want to talk about, like we talk about their spouse, but i just forget their name. You know, mm-hmm. so I will put that kind of uh, information in there as well. And it's, and it's really uh, tied to the person, but anyway, so, uh, so yeah, I have some queries for uh, like recent tasks um, or re- sorry, recently edited pages. Um, it will be, um, I'm trying to think of what some of the other ones are. Um, some of them are grouped by folder. Um, let me see here. I'm just looking at what some of my queries are. You have a table for the people. Um, um, yeah, but you can get super sophisticated. Like you could literally have a folder that is a database of baseball players, for example, and you could actually put stats in there 
And then you can actually write queries that will, you know, like query those, uh, those stats mm-hmm. and like even do ordering and whatever, but you get like full JavaScript and sorting and like SQL statements and things like that. And it's just, it's mind blowing. So your notes actually become dynamic. Now, if you look at those on disc again, you're not locked into obsidian because if you look at it in like notepad, what you're going to see is you're just going to see your inline query and it's going to be in the three, you know, you do like tick, 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 and then you put a code block. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what you're going to see. Um, so it's just plain text. So if you ever were to switch systems, you don't have to worry about that. Yeah. I mean, th- this data view is actually making me like realize that this, it, it really is like the more you shove in here, it really is that second brain that you talked about. Mm-hmm. Cause the, the example that they give on that data view page is like, like you have like books and inside that books, you have like ratings. Like I, like I'm a very, very quick book reader. And like, I don't always read, like I've gone several months without reading a book, but last summer there was a series that I really got into. It was 40 books long and I read it in two months. And like, somebody was asking me like about anything I had read recently. I'm like, yeah, there's this really great series. And I'm like, I can't remember it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yep. So I have people tell me things so they will, um, like the, the big, actually uh, sort of the, the topic of this, this whole thing, like I've had a lot of, uh, uh, talks, uh, a lot of discussions at work around culture. So I actually have a whole culture topic and a lot of the topics that we talked about today were in my culture section. And I've actually built this up with like different links. I even have like, uh, we had mental health training at work. Um, so I actually have a whole bunch of notes in here from that training that I can just pull up here, uh, which is, which is super cool, but it's all like curated. So, um, it's just great to review these. If somebody mentions mental health or culture, I can go read up on this and I can be, it's basically my hard drive that I'm able to to load into Ram and it makes it sound like I really know what I'm talking about because I do, because I'm just slower at pulling those things out of, uh, you know, my actual hard drive brain. Um, it also, you know, I mentioned that graph view, whenever you're on a page, it can show you everything that you're linked to in the, in a graph form, uh, which I think is pretty cool. So for, for any of these, um, and I'll just, what I can do is I'll probably just paste like somebody's graph into the, the show notes. So you can go to the MS dev show page and, and go see this. Uh, but I can hover over like my boss. She has, I don't know, 40 connections, Um, it's pretty wild. Whenever you hover over it, you can actually start to see these. You can actually use that to start to, it's, it's basically like a mind map that, that starts to form, right? So whenever you're thinking of a particular topic, you, what you might want to start doing is looking at the second order connections, like culture is connected to mental health, which is connected to this other thing. And you may be like, oh yeah, that's a really good point. It's not directly connected, but there's sort of this, this connection there. Uh, but yeah, you can it, use it's kind of like the visualization on the calendar, like just being yeah. able to look at it from a different perspective mm-hmm. can really exactly you know bring things to front of mind. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And if you're ever like thinking about a piece of software to write, like you might have some information about a calendar and that might be like, oh yeah, then there's colors and there's different tools and you know, it, it just sparks, uh, more creativity. Um, it's just, this is such a fantastic tool. So I'm totally converted and I, everything, like everything I read, Uh, any kind of books, any kind of knowledge, like it all goes into here. Some of it I never access again, and that's fine, but it's also linked and backlinked uh, to other things. If I, if I were, I I might stumble on something later. 
So I just recommend that people check it out. Uh, there's also courses on YouTube that like tell you how to get started with it. It's uh, if you know Markdown at all and you know how to do the wiki style links, you should be good to go. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty easy to get started. Just keep in mind that this thing you were you might spend 10 minutes with it and you're really just scratching the surface of the power of this whole system. And Carl's video was locking up. No, I, okay. I'm here. I just had to turn Are you off still the there, video. Carl. It, teams is acting goofy. Carl has no bandwidth. But I suppose we can wrap this up anyway. And it looks like Carl will have, uh, he'll have links to, um, in the show notes, everything we talked about, including the uh, foam extension for VS Code. Again, I tried it. I don't like it as much as Obsidian, uh, but it just kind of shows you that you can use uh, the same knowledge graph within different applications. Carl. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, Carl is back. Excellent. Uh, should we wrap this up, Carl? Absolutely. Cool. So where can people find you on Twitter, Carl? You can find me on Twitter at Carl Schweitzer. And you can find me on Twitter.com slash Y Twit slash Y Techie. <laughs> wow. Y Twicky. Yeah. On the, on the Twitters. <laughs> we'll have a link to that in the show notes. Anyway, uh, it was great chatting with you again, Carl, on the podcast. I had a great time. Yeah. And if anybody has an idea for a future uh, episode, just reach out to us. 